Welcome to the podcast. My name is Robert Berger. I'm joined by our hosts, Lee Griffin and Scott Boris, to discuss the radio communications phraseology and techniques. Uh, how you guys doing today? Good. How you doing? Wonderful. Uh, all good here in Ohio. Yeah, Lee and I are actually in Florida. This is the first episode where Lee and I are actually in the same location. Oh, yeah, and you Scott guys suck. Is, it's Scott it's is still up there. Here. I believe it's 13 degrees outside. It's very nice. Sure, sure. Oh. All right, so we were, we were taking an interlude from our airspace series. Last episode, we did uh, Class A airspace. Definitely worth a listen. Uh, next week, we'll be doing Class B, uh, but in, beto- in between episode, just give us a chance to prep more for those episodes. We are going to get into conversation today about radio communication. Radio communications. Correct. Uh, we're covering the AIM 4-2-1, which is just the general. And then we're going to, in between the airspaces, we're going to go into 4-2-2, 4-2-3, Uh Let's jump right into it. Radio communications are a critical link in the ATC system. The link can be a strong bond between pilot and controller, or it can be broken with surprising speed and disastrous results. Discussion herein provides basic procedures for new pilots and also highlights safe operating concepts for all pilots. Part B, the single most important thought in pilot-controller communications is understanding. It is essential, therefore, that pilots acknowledge each radio communication with ATC by using the appropriate aircraft call sign. Brevity is important. Um, Scott got the brevity part correct in the Flying with Dawn story from last episode. Um, Scott, what controllers, yeah. to get into that a little more, what controllers were you talking to and why, why were you talking to them in the first place? Well, and then kind of well, rehash on that story a little bit. Well, I was talking to uh, Toledo Approach. Uh, we were doing some uh, instrument work into, into Toledo. I believe we were, if I remember correctly, we were uh, on an IFR flight plan into Toledo. And... Uh, we called approach. Well, I called approach and, uh, you know, they gave me, they gave me a list of instructions, you know, whatever, whatever they give you, you know, they give you whatever, I don't know, fly this heading, this, this altitude, this, do this, uh, transponder this, you know, whatever, you know, bunch of stuff. They're rattling it off real quick. And I didn't remember what they said cause there was too many instructions for me to follow, you know? So I just said, I just replied with okay because brevity, brevity, brevity means keep it short. So I'd say you'll nail it there. I you nailed the brevity aspect of yeah. it. I just told him okay. Like if some you know, like okay, let's say you're at your job and your boss tells you to do something, you just reply with okay, right? So same concept. So as, as a good employee would. Yeah. So <laughs> same concept, you know, they're they're kind of the boss in this situation telling me what to do. I just say, okay. Apparently, she didn't really like that, though. Instructor, uh, she didn't think that was sufficient. So Don got upset with you for doing this. Yeah, yeah. And, and what? So what did she? What were? Her, what was her follow-up comments? Other than what was her follow-up comment? Uh, your response. She, okay. She she called them back and read the appropriate response. <laughs> uh, which sounded something which, like what <laughs> uh you know uh she she uh said 
whatever one zero Zulu or whatever we were in. Uh, and then she replied with whatever they told us to do. I don't remember what, exactly what it was, but I'm, so this I is when you're working rem- on your instrument I, rating with right. her. Yes, yes. I couldn't even remember what it was that day. So this is this is several years later. I definitely don't remember. Exactly. Oh yeah, no. I, <laughs> just, just in general, yeah, yeah, kind of what it should sound like. Oh yeah, whatever, than, whatever they okay. would give you. Well, okay. So say you uh, say you're going into a controlled airfield. Toledo. And they give you yeah, Toledo. Say you're going into Toledo. Uh, Sea airspace. Uh, they're, uh, you know, whatever they would tell you to do. I don't know what what would they tell you to do, Lee. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm sure you. I mean, you're, you're right on. I wasn't digging there. <laughs> I just wanted to see if you still thought okay was an okay answer. Oh, oh I was my at. personal feelings. Is, yes, that's fine. <laughs> I know what your personal feelings are because why not? They want you to keep it short, brevity. You know, it's important. I don't want to be clogging up the radio, reading off a bunch of crap that I don't need to. Right? Yeah, but there just has to be an understanding. Okay, no, I know. I know. Or telling well, you and, and the reason I said okay is because I was doing too many things. And obviously, without a lot of experience, I got a lot going on in my head while you're trying to learn how to fly instruments. Anybody who's learned how to fly instruments knows that you get you get too much going on You know, when you're first learning. There's a lot going on. I didn't remember exactly what they were telling me to do. So I just said, okay, knowing that she probably knew exactly what to do. So I wasn't really worried about it. But obviously, yes, you you would want to repeat the exact instructions back to them. Obviously, yeah. that's the, the appropriate way to do it. But Right. Yeah, that's, that's it. This kind of reminds me of when I was like five or six and my dad was teaching me how to like dock boats and run, bring a boat into a marina. and it all be going fine until it wasn't. And then as soon as I got overwhelmed, this is like six year old me, I would just kind of say, I just put my hands up, walk away yeah, from the wheel. Right. Right. Go, That's dad, kind of- dad, dad, you take it, you take it. Cause like I'd yeah. get in a corner, the wind would be coming from like, a direction. There's another boat coming around the corner and like, so I knew jump in and fix it. This right. is like the flying version of that. I feel like, well, I knew in my head that like, okay, is not the appropriate response, but, you know, I panicked. Like they just told me to do a bunch of shit. I don't know, so I just said okay. Right? Uh, I totally. I don't know if I've ever done that. All so, I can say, you know, fake it till you make it. Right. Well, and you know what? Just say what you can remember, Honestly, and you're gonna miss. Don't give me that many instructions it. at once. Give me a couple. Let me figure well, that out, and then come back so to me with a couple more. <laughs> Lee, you're coming into a place like Toledo. What Scott doesn't remember the details, but what kind of thing would they be asking uh, a pilot or or telling Scott, like a hypothetical? And then what would the corrective response have been when you're doing like a? I assume you guys were doing practice approaches. For somebody that's there. not familiar with Toledo, Toledo is Class C airspace. Yeah, yeah. northwestern Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I imagine you're going there to do an ILS. That was kind yeah. I don't really yeah, remember. It was you know. We, I'm sure it was an ILS. Yeah, probably. So, I mean, some of the first things you know, you're on an IFR flight plan. You're headed over there. Some of the first things they're really going to give you, where they would really bombard you with a lot of instructions, is you know they're going to say you know whatever your aircraft call sign is, fly this heading. 
vectors ILS final approach course or something to that effect. So yeah. it'd be, you know, Cessna, whatever, or Archer, whatever, fly heading, uh, let's call it 320 main um, vectors ILS 25 final approach course. And then, yeah, your response would be um, heading 320. Okay. Well, yeah, in your case, you'd say, okay, and just hopefully do what they told you, um, and everything's good. But yeah, you should just regurgitate kind of some of the stuff. You don't need to say back to them, in that case, Vector's Final Approach Course. That's not something they're telling you as a kind of a heads up. Do you, That's nothing do you, you read, read back, back to them everything that they say to you? Like, No, because some of it, like, I, I mean, in, no. No, you can. You have no. to pick and choose, and it just takes time to get. That's a, just a whole other skill set. Yeah. You got to pick and choose, kind of. They'll give you a bunch of stuff all the time. The busier the airport, a lot more critical the stuff is to read back. Toledo, in a lot of senses, is a class Charlie training airport. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're Not just really geared towards training. There is, yeah. A lot of, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of training, a lot of training traffic, yeah. you know, from the yeah. local universities and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, so it's nice to kind of get your feet wet in the class Charlie airspace there, you know, while they have good approaches and good controllers, but not a lot of activity. So they are a lot more lenient. And we have Mansfield that's similar too. Yeah, that's where it would be. Controlled stuff. Mainly would be altitude and, and heading would be the two more important items, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'm assuming they went over their low enough altitude. Probably one of the first things they 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 probably did not really change his altitude any. I would not assume on the initial call up. They probably went over there at three grand, three thousand feet. Yeah, um, probably stayed there. And you're probably honestly intercepting the ILS probably near there anyways. The big one that gets a lot of people, and it's super scripted when you're uh, talking IFR going into controlled field. You know, um, I'm going to make up a call sign here. Um, or I'm going to try to, so let's say, you know, Archer two, one, five, nine or pop fly heading three, two, zero, maintain 3000 till established clear to ILS two, five approach. That sounds like a lot, but a lot of that stuff you already know, you already know what your airplane is. You already know what approach you're doing. So all you really need to remember is just kind of is the heading they told you and that you're cleared for the approach. You know what I mean? Oh, and the altitude. I guess I yeah, and there it is altitude. So that but that is a very choreographed and scripted interaction between a pilot and a controller. It just takes time to get comfortable with knowing they're gonna give me a heading and an altitude and I'm clear for the approach. As long what, as I can remember my airplane and remember what approach I'm doing, all I have to remember are the heading they assigned me and the altitude. What maintain. I used to do is uh even long after I was a student pilot if I was going into some place that was a little busier than I'm used to, like Cleveland, like Burke Lakefront or something, I would just tell mm-hmm. them that I'm a student pilot, even though I'm not a student pilot, just so they would. I've heard that before from people with higher certificate <laughs> yeah. levels. Just, than I, I have done so that with a commercial before. Yeah. <laughs> just so they know I talk a little slower and expect me to not know exactly what I'm supposed to say. I yeah. may have dropped the student line as a as a CFI before. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it makes it easier. They talk slower. They'll 
you know, they'll take a little more time with you. They're a little more patient with you. If you're if you're a little bit uncomfortable talking to air traffic control, I would I would recommend just telling them that you're a student pilot. Scott Scott's rule of thumb, right, Lee? Perpetually I mean, a student. Any, you got any objections us. to that, or they tell us a good pilot is always learning, right? Hundred percent, I'll agree with that. So yeah. we're all students still, right? So that's not lying to the controller. You're not lying, no. Me, me being a CFI and saying right. student, take it easy on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i think that's a good practice probably yeah it's better than you know being a danger yourself than others right right yeah i used to yeah. do that all the time until i got comfortable with it and now like that i'm not comfortable with it because my my flight instructor you know he's kind of he's kind of hard to get scheduled you know so i i'm really not on the radios i've been trying to get him to Give me some flying lessons for a while now. He goes down to Florida a lot. And he overcharges a lot, huh? Yeah. So that's <laughs> a little, factor, little, isn't it? little, little steep on the price. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, no, he's kind of yeah. hard to he's kind of hard to nail down, you know. And I've been talking about getting uh, some radio work here for a couple of years now, and it's it's not happening. So I think no. you insulted him that time you called the the flight review, the biannual. <laughs> still upset about that. Yeah, he canceled yeah, our lesson I, after that. Yeah, I do think that I pushed it back a year every time you said that. I think. <laughs> well, back in my day, we called them biennials. So back in your your day was after my day, and we weren't calling it biennials in my day. <laughs> well, my so instructors, like my instructors were a lot older than yours. <laughs> yeah, well, that is true. That. Well. And you know what? Here's the thing. I mean, obviously, the general overtone, everything we're talking about is all about learning and, you know, more entry level stuff. There's a lot to be gleaned, old school knowledge. But sometimes, I mean, you got to keep up with the bo- the books, you know, that the farming comes out every year. There's new stuff in there every year. Well, that's why we have this podcast to help people keep up with it. We're never going to run out of content. No. No. All right. Speaking of the podcast and the aim, back to the aim, brevity is important, as we just discussed, and contacts should be kept as brief as possible, which I think you nailed that as well. But controllers must know what you want to do before they can properly carry out their control duties. And you, the pilot, must know exactly what the controller wants you to do, since concise phraseology may not always be adequate. Use whatever words are necessary to get your message across, which brings me to a point I thought of how loosey-goosey can we work? It says whatever words are necessary to get your message across, Lee. Like, what, like how, how far can we take that? I have taken it as far as to basically be like, look, the, I'm quotation marks here, look. This is what I'm at. This is what I'm trying to get at. You try using the vernacular and using the the concise terms, you know, that we that we all learn. Um and use all the terminology and, and keep it keep it short and sweet and to the point. But we had to go back and forth in, the, in the several instances, I guess I'm talking about. We had to go back and forth multiple, multiple times. I still was not, I was getting an answer. 
I think they understood what I meant, but I wanted a hundred percent clarity. I said, look, this is what I'm trying to do. This is what I want to know. And I just talked to him a hundred percent plain English. You have to, at the bottom line, everybody has to be on the same page. Do, I mean, you might get the answer the way you, you know, use the proper phraseology terminology and all that stuff and keep it concise. You might get what you're looking for the first try. I didn't. So I had to reduce it all the way down. I tried again, still didn't get what I want. I still was not a hundred percent clarity and I want, that's what we want in aviation. I wanted a hundred percent clarity. Took me three back and forth, uh, three back and forth to, uh, to get it. And I, and I had to reduce all the back to plain English yeah, to, to get I, it. I kind of, I always kind of wished you could just like talk to them and tell them what you want to do without like, I understand that it's, I understand it's more efficient to use the correct terminology and keep it to, you know, kind of shorthand everything. But as an inexperienced pilot, like it would just be easier for me if like I could call up approach and be like, Hey, I want to land. Tell me what to do. You know? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. And I mean, it's, it doesn't, it won't, it wouldn't take that much time. You're only, how many exchanges, you know, from like, you're like, let's say we're going to replay your um, class Charlie trip over to uh, Toledo. How many exchanges are you, you, do you think you would have with them? Now one flight can no. drastically well, change. Well, yeah, it depends. Another. How many overall? Well, I'd call how approach. Many, I'd probably call yeah. approach. They'd tell me they, yeah. you know, if if I, well, okay, go back to VFR because that's what I'm, I meant. I'm sorry. If, yeah, if I'm going to fly in, if I'm going to fly into Toledo now, obviously I'm going to fly VFR because I'm not IFR yeah. certified. Uh, you know, they they it'd probably only be maybe three back and forth. Yeah, three, four, maybe five yeah. at the most. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, of course, it depends on what's going on. And, well, if they're bu- yeah, if they're busy, it might be more. But yeah, weather's good. They're not busy. Whatever. If, not that many. If I'm going and into even, Mansfield, which is class Delta, for anybody who doesn't know, that would probably be. I would say that'd be three at the most. I would not. I don't think I'd make any distinction between those two airports personally. No, but. No, but it, it, that doesn't matter. I guess what I'm getting at is the back and forth exchange you have with either Mansfield as a class Delta with an approach control. So it basically, yes, on the map looks like class Delta, but we all know they have approach control. So they function yeah. very similar to class Charlie. Anyways, all these responses are very, can be very choreographed and can be rehearsed and committed to memory for the most part fill in the blanks you know if you're flying different airplanes you're landing a different runway things like that but other than that it can be very very well committed to memory for the student pilots what what i always forget as a vfr pilot going into a controlled field is not what talking to approach or even the tower when they hand you off it's what to do on the ground because most of the time you got multiple runways, you got taxiways all over the place. Once you land, they're going to either, they're going to either leave you on tower or hand you off to ground. Correct. Yeah. And then they're going to give you all sorts of convoluted instructions. About right. Ta- right. Ta- taxi, so you're going to have to have your taxi, have your Delta, turn right, echo, and then 
to that's, whatever. See, that's that's my biggest fear of going into a larger airport is what to do once you're on the ground. Because, you, I mean, you better have that map of the airport out in front of you, either on a screen or on paper, because you can get lost on these things. I mean, it's it's easily, easily get lost. You know, you fly into a class C or D airport with multiple runways and taxiways all over the place. You can get lost. Uh, I'm always afraid I'm going to turn the wrong place. I'm going to taxi across the runway. I'm not supposed to taxi across or I don't even know where to park unless it's an airport that I've been to multiple times. You know, let's say you're mm-hmm. flying into a, a large controlled field that you haven't been to multiple times. You know what you, you want general aviation parking. What, what do you do? You ask, you, you, you got to ask them for general aviation parking, right? Well, so, I mean, I guess it just depends. I mean, we don't, I know you're not citing a specific airport or example, but you know, we're, we've been talking about Toledo and Mansfield here. And those are two airports that like on this side of the kind of the aviation spectrum I'm on now, I'm, I don't even know where you would go at either of those airports, to be honest with you. Oh, do you know it is? I just research kind would of. Would you look up? Yeah, I would go there. Just go well, yeah, on. You have to. What their FBO is there? Are there different well, yeah, options? And, and yeah. So yeah. So you, you land. You clear the runway. Let's say they say you know turn right next taxiway or left next taxiway. You know, so you're on the runway rolling out. Turn left. You know, whatever. I'm going to go with my Archer two one five nine or Pop that I brought up earlier, which is a fictitious fictitious airplane, just so everybody knows. But um. Archer two one five nine or pop right turn next taxiway contact ground point nine. So all ground frequencies are either one twenty one seven, one twenty one eight, or one twenty one nine. So if they say contact ground point nine, well the one two one not the one two one part of the beginning is assumed. So ground point nine. So okay, you contact ground, ground archer two one five nine or pop, we're clearing runway two five going to Atlantic going to signature or shelter or whatever the FBO name is. And they'll give you your taxi clearance from there. When do you request, when do you request what FBO you want to go to? You should already know where you're going. No, I know, but what's the proper time to tell control what FBO you you want? You can tell them as soon as you're uh, talking to tower. Approach okay. approach control. You could you could tell approach control. I would not tell them though because so they're, when they switch you to tower. You would tell them what your intentions are once you're on the ground. Yeah, yeah. You can say as soon as approach control hands you off to tower. You would say as soon as they so they'll say Archer two one five nine or pop contact tower one two six point six. Okay, over to tower twenty six six two one five nine or pop. You contact so that you switch frequency. Uh, you know, we're make, it's a generic airport, so I'm just going to say Tower instead of, you know, Toledo Tower or something. So Tower, Archer 2 and 5 or Pop, um, I guess, what would you say in this case? I haven't flown VFR into a controlled field in a while. Uh, I, would, I would typically wait. Usually the Tower, if I remember correctly, will ask you where you are going if they're unsure. So I usually just, if they haven't asked me where I want to go by the time I've like landed on the runway or like, no, usually final. Yeah, but, but yeah, but you can, but Scott's saying you can get out in front of it and eliminate one whole exchange of right, information. That's, that's your initial call. Tell like them where I, you're going. 
if I were to cl- fly into a uh, book lakefront right now, which is which is class Delta, it's underneath uh, class Bravo, Toledo, our Cleveland airspace. Uh, it's just using that as an example, like two three Sierra. What what do I say if you know I want I want to poke and I. Me and the wife are going out to eat in Cleveland. We just want to park for a few hours. And yeah. what, what what do I say? Yeah, I, well, in this so they have a signature at Burke Lakefront. Okay, so you are, um, so well, Class Delta is a tough one. So you're you're kind of changing up. So if did you talk to Cleveland Approach or no? Yes, on the way you did. Yeah, okay, I, I called so, I called Approach on the way in. So you got flight following. They will hopefully hand you off to Lakefront Tower. So they'll say, or uh, two three Sierra. I'm sorry, uh, two three Sierra. Contact Lakefront Tower twenty four point three. Over to Tower twenty four three two three Sierra. We're shortening the call sign, but that's okay. Well, Lakefront Tower. The rule on that is, if they shorten it, you can shorten it, right? Isn't that the correct, rule on that? But we, I want to keep it short so that. But if they know, don't, if they don't shorten it, you're not supposed to shorten it, right? You can correct. Yes, very good. Yeah, that's a lot. Of, that that's another big point that is uh, annoys the hell out of me. Don't shorten it until they shorten it. Right. That's like that's what I've always that's been. That's like you know you call the guy you know Mister Mister Miller until he says no 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 call me John. You know it's yeah. one of those things. Right. That's right. exactly kind of how that works. It's a so, good analogy. Yeah. Well, I on the fly. Anyways, ha, no pun intended. But as soon as um, as soon as they start shortening it, go ahead, and that frees up a lot of radio congestion right there. So back to Lakefront. Uh, you're going to contact Lakefront Tower. So they've coordinated the handoff. They know that you're coming. They know who you are. All kind. They know a lot more. So you're really simulating a lot of the IFR concept. A lot of the things that uh, make IFR convenient to you. The you know uh, convenient for for us. Um, Lakefront Tower, 2-3 Sierra. You can give them kind of a position because remember, you're talking to somebody who's just looking out the window with binoculars. So it is always helpful to, you know, to tell them kind of a distance, direction, and altitude. Right. That's I always do so, that. Yeah. Tell them your yeah, and, altitude, distance, and heading. Yeah. Well, not heading, but direction. Well, no, not from heading, the field. but yeah, yeah. So, you know, Lakefront Tower two three Sierra. Where you don't want to say like five to the east because that's a bad, or five to the west, whatever. That's a bad example. Well, I'd say whatever, whatever they're at, whatever I'm at when they hand me off. You know, or well, actually, you don't need to say it after they hand you off. You just need to say it on your initial call, right? Or you should say it again. Yeah. But- but remember, uh, Cleveland Approach handed you off to Tower, right. Lake, Lakefront Tower. I assume if they hand me off, they know where I'm at, right? Or no? They know they are in the loop, yes. Okay. The reason I say maybe stick with doing your um, distance, direction, and uh, altitude is because if you, cause you could legally just go right into Lakefront and never talk to Cleveland Approach. What are you going to do then? And this yeah. was scares a lot of people. That's what I do. Cause I, I think I contacted, I originally did it the first time or two. I went to Berkeley for an airport. I did the, the contact Cleveland approach spiel. 
And they would always send me so far out over Lake Erie that made me uncomfortable. I stopped calling them. I never, because I've gone in there a bunch of times. I did my instrument rating out of there. And See, I, I'd, I'd, fly, I'd fly to my lesson and I just, I'd be like, they're going to, if I talk to the Cleveland approach, they're going to send me way over Lake Erie. And I don't want to be way over Lake Erie, especially in like the fall, winter, spring in a single engine airplane. So I'm like, I'm just not even going to call them. I'm just going to skirt the bottom under their shelves to get around into their, you know, avoid the class Bravo airspace and just, you know, barely, and then stay as close as I can to shore where you got to kick out a little bit right there and then call Burke Lakefront. See, what I would always do is I would always tell them that I'm following the shoreline into Burke Lakefront. I would say they, they would let you. They would let you stay close. Oh yeah, yep. I would say two three Sarah. Uh, you know, I'd say Cleveland approach Cessna two three Sierra. They'd come back. I'd say uh, would like to follow the shoreline into Burke Lakefront for landing, and then they obviously they give me a squat code, whatever. Yeah, and uh, then they'd they'd uh, at some you know at some point they'd hand me off to approach tower uh, yeah not yeah. not approach tower yeah they'd hand me off to uh lakefront tower well i mean you you can skin the cat the different ways i mean you can call them up on the initial like you did scott you said you know i'm you're telling them what you want to do in the initial right. call up i would say the, i'm following the shoreline into yeah. you know because the shoreline is a if people aren't familiar the airport i'm flying from is also on the shoreline so i just follow the shoreline straight in right and, and a lot of the times, you know, you may have gotten lucky. I've been, obviously, I've done both of those different scenarios. I've been taken way out, like Rob said. I mean, uh, they've had me so far. I was in a seaplane, and I'm getting nervous. You know, I'm out over the water. I mean, it's like, I'd rather put this thing down on the concrete than in the these five-footers. But, <laughs> well, seriously. Yeah, no, it's, it's a hall limitation with waves. Yeah, so... um that I, I've I've had it happen both ways, but you know you can always you know we're talking ATC. There's just another person, and just level level with them if they're telling you to go somewhere or do something that you don't want to do. Um, let them know, and between the two of you, you will come up with an alternate plan of action. Um, so Scott, you addressed in the beginning. You told them what you wanted to do, and that kind of set the tone. Yeah, I've and, I've probably flown in there ten, fifteen times. And mm-hmm. I, they've never sent me out over the lake. Well, they, I mean, they do. I mean, they do. That's, oh, that's I believe you. I'm just saying it's never happened to me before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so altitude matters. There are congestion at the, you know, primary airport of class Bravo, Cleveland Hopkins. It just depends on what's going on. But what back to the thing was it, just when you're going to a random class Delta airport and they're all over where there is no class Bravo, they're not underneath a class Bravo. They're just a, tower out in a field you know there's airports you would not think should be class deltas that are uh and so you when you're approaching them vfr there's a lot more on you a lot more workload on the pilot getting into these airports vfr than what we are used to with a lot of the class deltas we've gone to where they're right underneath the class bravo you can kind of call cleveland approach anytime you don't have yeah. to. You're not really responsible for even really knowing too precisely where you are. You can just say, "Hey, I'm just east of the Avon Stacks, or I'm over Huron, or just 
you're just east or just what yeah east of Huron eastbound along the shoreline 2500 to Burke Lakefront I've called I've called over LeBron James's house before and they knew exactly where I was oh uh, yeah those controllers <laughs> they all know that. Got, he had a I don't know if he still does he had a house right on the way there right on Lake Erie they used to always uh, knew where it was there's uh some I know. some stacks, some uh whatever from the the steel plant in Avon the the big uh, yeah, stacks. Avon, yeah they'd always say yeah. uh They'd always say report, report. We got stacks or whatever, a report. Yeah. I forget what they'd say. So, but, and this still falls into another thing. So, if you if you're looking at a typical sectional, you have your um your class Bravo, which is denoted Scott. Uh, do you recall what class Bravo looks like on a sectional? Yeah, it looks like a, a uh, looks like a upside down wedding cake. Well, yeah, but colors on oh, a sectional. It's uh the uh, blue blue. Yeah. So yeah, 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 shaded blue, shaded blue. Yeah, so shaded blue, yeah. right? So whenever you see a shaded blue, typically on the back side of the sectional, you flip it over, it's going to have basically a blown up view, typically. And so around around the class Bravos, there's actually a white, and it blends in so well. I didn't know this for the longest time. There's a big white box around them on the sectional, big white box, and that means it's an inset. So if you flip over the sectional on the backside, um, there are the terminal, uh, or yeah, terminal area, Rob, terminal area chart. Yeah. What am I? Is that, that is it? So yeah, yeah. Terminal area chart. It's the where it's, it's extra, just like a, extra scale for. Yeah. It's like yeah, a yeah. zoomed in sectional, yeah. right? No, no, well, hold on, no, no, no. Terminal area chart is a separate chart. I'm kind of off the rails here a little bit. Terminal area chart is a separate chart. And it is, yeah, it is double. And so it is for use in like these congested class Bravo areas. And so if you were to look at that, Scott, you would see Avon Stacks is bolded. Oh, yeah. Under- that means you can use it as a land landmark, right? As a landmark, yeah. correct. Yeah. So those are often noted on class Charlie airports on a sectional. But on a class Bravo airport, if you have this white box around it for the terminal air chart, they're saying, no, 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 you need more information. If you want to go to this airport, you need more information. So get your terminal air chart, do your due diligence, do the research, and everything you need to know is on the terminal area chart. If class Bravo, they're saying, eh, it's a little more lax, which maybe it is, maybe it isn't. In my experience, class Bravos are a lot of times just as busy as uh, the class Bravos. Um, class, but Class Charlie's are as busy. Charlie's I don't know. Is Bravo. that what I... Yeah, yeah Class Charlie's Bravo. are as busy. <laughs> Twice. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. You invert them, but yeah, they're as busy well, as there, one another. There's, what I was getting at. there's obviously different levels of even Class Bravo. Like, obviously, Cleveland is not the same as Atlanta. Or, yeah, Lee and I did stuff around yeah, Chicago one time. We were working yeah. on our CFIs. It's a whole other story. Yeah, but that yeah. airspace was insane. Like Cleveland is class Bravo, but that's got to be totally different than flying into Chicago or Atlanta or LaGuardia, you know, or LAX. Or it's obviously, yeah, those those you just yeah. want to stay away from, in my opinion. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yep. One of the many reasons to never take your airplane in the air, right? Airspace. Correct. Airspace. Stay out of it. 
Yeah, no, yeah, Cleveland is definitely, and it's slowed down even, you know, since we were learning to fly. It was busier back then, and it's only getting slower now. Well, they got a lot of Spirit and Frontier flights going in and out of there these days. Spirit Frontier, they're doing Allegiant now. Yeah. Um, you know, Is anyone based out of Cleveland now? Nobody's based, and actually ExpressJet, uh, regional carrier, they just announced they're pulling out. Really? Okay. They were based. Uh, it's still a... Uh, still a Crew domicile for United. It's not a hub. It's not a hub status. You can go weird places, and that will probably end if if ExpressJet pulls out. Well, when ExpressJet pulls out, it's still Class B, which means bad. So I'll just stay out of there. It's too busy, busy and bad. Think B, busy and bad, which means you just if you can avoid it, avoid it. Scott Boris rules of thumb. Yeah, it's also like like mountains. If you can see them, stay out of it. Yes. All right. Pilots are to maintain vigilance in monitoring air traffic control radio communication frequencies for potential traffic conflicts with their aircraft, especially when operating on an active runway and or when conducting a final approach to landing. Um. Maintaining vigilance in monitoring ATC radio communications is easier said than done. Uh, that is that, that wasn't quoting the the reg. The maintaining vigilance is harder than it sounds. Um, this is something I, I when the frequency is really busy. This is something I personally have struggled with because you're worried about a bunch of stuff with the aircraft. And then on top of it, you got to be paying attention to 90% of what's happening on the radio has zero relevance to what you're doing, but you've got to keep an ear out for whatever your tail number is. And as soon as they say your tail number, you're just expected to bam, know exactly, you know, be on and they'll like be ready to stop whatever you're doing and, and do the ATC communication. It really gets, it, it can be extremely overwhelming when you're, when you're first learning and even, you know, even yeah. for me, I, you know, I learned it a long time ago, but to relearn it is overwhelming because you're, as a, as you're, you, you got to worry about flying the plane, but you, then you, now you have all this other stuff to worry about. You're talking to people. You got to remember what they say. You got to do what they say all while also flying the airplane. It's, it can be very overwhelming. At what point, Lee, does that, does that stop? I mean, you still get. You still, I mean, you still have feel the pressure on you. I mean, you, you still. Get, did you ever get overwhelmed? No. No. And, and well, also, I recognize that you're going to, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to say the wrong thing. I had, uh, I flew yesterday and they gave me, they were clearing us for the approach. They gave me like five things to do so it was fly this heading maintain this altitude maintain 170 knots until how x number of miles out cleared for the ils whatever and it's like it's one thing if i heard the person ahead of me get that same thing i can kind of be like okay they're giving people 170 out so i can kind of commit that to memory but when they just spring something on you you know, okay, fly heading 320, maintain 2,600 until established, uh, maintain one or cleared for the ILS 
uh, whatever, 2.4 right, maintain 170 knots, still 6.5 DME. It's like, what? What just happened to me? So you can get some of it and get what you can. And even if you repeat it back wrong, they'll correct you. But, you know, you can take one road to the other. You can say, hey, can you repeat that? Or give them what you know for sure. And I miss the rest. Or you can wing all of it and see how many times you guys can go back and forth. Can't you, you right. This is more your situation. Can't you just look at the, the first officer, the co-pilot to your right and just go, hey, Junior, you got that all that, right? And just make them look like the, well, the guy no, who doesn't yeah. know what's going on? <laughs> well, I mean, you can do that. You can do that. But, you know, it, since you're running, it's the same way with uh, taxi instructions. Yeah, as an FO, you know, that's typically typically your job. You get good at reading, you know, reading uh, text instructions. You know, that's kind of your job on the ground, just like in the air. But, or I'm sorry, in, in the air, it's a little bit different. You, since we, in the air, the FO can be the pilot flying. So now it's my job to juggle all those balls. Where on the ground, it is primarily the first officer who is doing all of that. You see what I'm saying? So you lose a little bit of the technique as far as reading back. You understand what is said, but it's one thing to understand. It's another thing to regurgitate when they say it to you. So you kind of lose the skill in regurgitating it back to them, repeating it back to them, especially when it's very complex. You may know because you know in general where what runway. As long as you know what runway they assigned you to, you can kind of fake it until you make it as far as getting there with the taxiways. It, it, at least that's my opinion. You know what they need to you, make? I mean, you have a good idea what they're, what they're going to give you. You know what they need to make is like a, a headset or a device that attaches to your headset that will re- record it and you can play it back. You, you can click a button and it, re- and it plays back the last 20 seconds. I f- I'm pretty sure there's technology that exists that does that. Oh, I'm sure there I, is. I thought, I thought they had that in the Jets. Well, no, we don't have that. We don't have that. That but, would be very handy for me anyway. Well, well, there's tips and tricks, and it just takes time. It is just another skill set to learn. Well, right, but if you only use a controlled airfield twice a year. Well, well and that, therein lies the problem, and I can't fix that for you. Well, right. I mean, I don't have a reason to fly into a controlled airfield very often. Well, so... So then don't blame it. Don't 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 invent a new headset that records ATC so you can play it back. Well, I'm sure there's plenty of people like me that don't keep up with it. Could be handy. If you Okay. I would agree and I would not want to bust anybody's chops for not being hundred percent proficient going in air traffic or uh you know, utilizing yeah, I mean, ATC or going to control. You fly for a living, I sell motorcycle parts for a living, you know? It's not it's not like I I don't know how to do this stuff, so I. If I need, if need you <laughs> if you in the audience are interested in the playback machine, you can connect with your headset. Email faraim at scottboris dot com. Right, and, if you would uh, like to. enough people enough people doing that, and Scott may figure that out. Patent pending. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If if anybody wants to donate to the cause, no. <laughs> Start a go fund me. Yeah, yeah. If go anybody wants Scott, to, yeah, you can uh, PayPal me some money, 
Just send it. Send me whatever you want, and I'll. Uh, All right. Sounds like a plan. All right. It's part C. You, go ahead. I was gonna say, or you know, you can go get with an instructor and do it for real, and just gain the skill. And you can't put a price. See, here's the problem. That that is some of us have instructors yes. that are kind of sketchy, and they don't really. You know, it's hard to nail them down to when you can actually like. My instructor, like I've been trying to get him to do it for years, give me some good uh, radio instruction. You know, so not all of us have reliable instructors that you know. Some of us have more hundred dollar bills than access to an instructor. Right. They could they could exchange one of those hundred dollar bills for an amazing device that replays the back the last fifteen to twenty seconds of whatever the ATC said, so you can keep hitting it over and over again while the ATC is waiting for you to reply. My instructor, I don't even know what he's doing. He's like down in Florida or something right now. I don't know. You know, He's visiting the other instructor you work with. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and we both remember what ATC said, so oh, you don't right. need that device. I remember what they said. Next time we go flying, we're going into a controlled field. No, we need to. We've been yeah. saying that for years. Drop the landing. It was a 50 bucks for the, uh, the, the Cleveland landing fee. Cleveland Hopkins landing fee. Just oh, go, I think go so. not, Just do touch and go. Is it? Just take a couple hundred bucks and just go do touch and go. Do they charge you? Do they charge you every time you touch and go, or do they just charge you one? I don't know how that. I, I have no idea how that works. That's not. I haven't, anything lo- that, I haven't looked it up in over a decade, but I, I believe a decade ago it was fifty dollars landing to to go into CLE. This See, is something. Well, this is something. This is something near and dear to my heart. That 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 is an issue for a lot of general aviation pilots. They they look at the sectional. If anybody's looking at a sectional, they're looking at fourth flight, and they're seeing all these circles, magenta circles, blue circles, whatever, and they're not going there. It's like, oh, I need to stay out of stay stay way far away from all that. And it is a good general rule of thumb. Well, it's one of Scott Boris's rules of thumb. Yes. I remember that being a rule or a rule of thumb of my own. But well, it's also it's not it's scripted. It can be scripted and it's like painting by numbers. Seriously. It can be that easy. But it's not even that it's not only that I'm uncomfortable flying into a busy airport like that. It's like I feel like I'm being rude because there's there's airliners with hundreds of people on them coming into there. I feel like me and my Cessna 150 is like, it's kind of like, who is this guy? Like, if I'm a controller, you well, don't a, care about hundreds of people on an airline. No, right? You're just but, using yeah. that as an excuse to not live in there. If I'm a controller, if I'm a controller, and I gotta, I gotta get this 150 in while I got all these airliners waiting to land. It's like. Just get out of here. That's how I would feel. You know, no, we're we can get a controller on one of these podcasts. Yeah. We'll get, somebody send this. Somebody listening, send this to Lucas Hahn. We'll get Lucas Hahn in on like next season or something. It's yeah, a, that'd be good. That'd be good. He's ATC. And Scott and I graduated with him. Well, yeah. I got an ATC buddy. I just talked to him on Cleveland departure today. He'll well, he'd come on, well, and I've talked to him at nauseum about the same concept. Let's bring in both of them. Get them into like a fight or something. They won't get in a fight. Well, we got Mark and Keith talking maintenance. So we'll get into a fight. Sometime. Yeah, we we'll get into. Right, well, we need some fights on here. I guess we do need some fights. <laughs> <laughs> been, been too dull lately. 
But no, no, no. ATC, it's different than you think. It's just another person. And honestly, another 150, another anything coming through the airspace, that helps justify their job. They're recording every single airplane. It doesn't matter if it holds one person or 150 people. It doesn't matter. To well, them, right. it helps justify their job. And it's a change of pace for them. When they call up, when, when, you know, Express Jet comes in or United or Southwest comes in, they know what they're doing. It's that you want to talk about scripted. It doesn't get any more scripted than that. Well, of course. To them, in, you, you guys are, you know, GA is a change of pace. You're the 150 Cessna. What is the point in flying into Cleveland Hopkins rather than one of the relief airports that they have around it? Like, oh, that, like that's one of the things that expects me else is taking the slowest, smallest airplane and taking it into the biggest airport possible. Yeah, like that excites Well, but there's no point to do that. Why not? Because let's say you're going what somewhere in Cleveland. Lakefront is closer yeah. to downtown Cleveland than than Hopkins is. So what's the point in flying into it, Hopkins? Okay. Yeah. Well, there are states and cities outside of Cleveland and Ohio. Well, I understand, so but most of them have relief airports that are just as close, if not closer, to the city center. Well, than- do that then. But I think for the vast majority of people, yourself included, you wouldn't see much difference in the workload and anxiety level going into X airport, satellite airport, relief airport of Phoenix as you would into the big airport. Right? Well, maybe not. I, I don't know. Well, I, I, I don't know, but I would assume because now we're, you're still talking to Class Delta. You're still talking to, you know, approach control, and then you get handed off to Tower. It doesn't matter. There's not Tower at the big airport. It's Tower at another airport, and they have a bunch of complex taxiways and runways that you got to navigate. So, what difference does it make to you? Well, it's still more complicated. Well, well, no, that's that's what I'm saying. Is is it's it's complicated. It's maybe not as complicated, but probably just as complicated. It's a new airport, class Delta, complex runway structure, taxiways. Find your FPO. You're getting complex taxi instruction. They're just rattling it off really quick for the average or whatever uh, GA pilot. What difference does it make to them? Not much. I wouldn't think. I don't think I've ever been into a class B now that I think about it. I'm trying to think. No. I, I don't think I ever have. I've talked to class B, but I've never landed at class B. It's not it's not a big deal. Oh well. it's not what what you it's that a landing, it's a that landing fee is a big deal. Scott, landing I fee. will I will pay the landing fee if you we just gotta figure out how to get mics in your Yeah, plane. yeah, we should do that. That'd be good. So that so that we can put it on an episode and I will pay the $50 landing fee for you to go into Hopkins. If we can make an episode out of it. Yeah. Lee, next time uh, you get a free minute. I won't. <laughs> All right. Part C, finish it up here. All pilots will find the pilot controller glossary. Very helpful in learning what certain words or phrases mean. Good phraseology enhances safety and is the mark of a professional pilot jargon, chatter, and, quote, CB slang have no place in ATC communications. The pilot controller glossary is the same glossary used in, wait for it, FAA order JO 
seven one one zero decimal six five. I'm sure you guys are familiar with that. Air traffic control. We recommend that it be studied and reviewed from time to time to sharpen your communication skills. And uh, I have a pilot confession to make. I don't think I have ever in my history of flying uh, looked at the pilot controller pilot controller glossary uh, prior to preparing for this episode. I know that's like you read that weekly, Lee, I think. No, no, I haven't. No. If I have, I it doesn't really stick out in memory. I've Do you never, haven't read it either? I didn't even know it existed. No. You've in past episodes you've you've referenced it like, oh, that's not what the pilot controller glossary says. Is that is have I said that? I like was that a boilermaker day or no? Maybe, I don't know. I can probably, if it happened, I can find the audio. I don't, I mean, I have definitely like looked at it, perused it, but there's nothing really that sticks out in memory. I think over the course of my flight training, it just kind of slowly got filtered through to me and it, things that come into memory in, in the various, you know, people I've flown with, I've, I've picked up just like, just like all of the regulations for the most part. Nobody's really studying at the private pilot level or student pilot level are committing, you know, part 91 and part 61 to memory. You just get little bits and pieces spoon fed to you over the years. And eventually it comes a, 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 the big picture. And I feel that like that's how the pilot controller glossary has happened to me. Maybe there's things I've looked up. I like I've argued maybe with a, a fellow crew member about something. And we had to resort to looking something up like that. Not nothing off the top of my head. That's probably how I have I've gotten it as well. Just like listening to the radio and then instructors teaching me stuff and me telling controllers things and they get angry at me. I know not to say that again. If they don't get angry at me, it's probably okay to say again. It's kind of my way of gathering it. Yeah. Most yeah. people, I think people, a lot of people are afraid of controllers. They're, I've made a lot of mistakes talking to them. They've, I've never been like, I've never had one get mad at me, you know. They might correct they, No, 100%. And that's what yeah. kind of the same concept I was getting back with. You know, you were like, oh, I don't want to go into a class Bravo airport with my 150. They are understanding. I mean, yeah, they can have a bad day. They can seem like they're in a bad mood. But the ones that, like, that I know and that I've talked to in all my you know private pilot student pilot flying they're just another person on the other end of the line right well yeah. it's it's intimidating going into a a large for airport sure. it's you know especially for i mean not after you've done it as many times as you have but for me anyway it's intimidating but i honestly can't say that i've ever had a controller get upset with me or angry like i've said you know i've i've made plenty of mistakes on the radio and they they don't oh yeah me not, too like it's not like they read me out for it, you know. I but, recommend visiting a control tower sometime if you ever get the opportunity. Totally. And that that will, I mean, I would like to think that me just using the term, you know, they're just another person, that would dispel some anxiety. But that will really dispel some anxiety. It's just another person. I mean, yeah, there there is some etiquette involved, and you do want to keep things keep things concise and, and short and sweet. 
But you know, if you if you building block, work your way up, you know, from a uh, a smaller, you know, maybe a little slower pace facility. You know, in our case, you know, we have Mansfield, which has a lot of services uh, available to us as pilots. You know, for VFR and IFR, good approaches, nice long runways. They got a there's a lot there for us. What's that? They got a full bar there too. Restaurant that is handy. Yeah, say, say no, say no more. I Everybody think, should, I think there needs to be full bars at more airports. I think more yeah. people will get into flying. Right. Let's let's get a GoFundMe for that. I think if anything GoFundMe for bars at airports. Like the like AOPA has different initiatives. I can't remember the name of it. Basically, that you know they support GA keeping GA alive. I think more bars at airports. I don't know why that's that's not on the docket. Yeah, I think it could make a lot of non-profitable airports profitable and get a lot right. more people into flying. I mean, look at the boating industry. Oh yeah, you yeah. won't even have to subsidize the airports anymore. No, it's the boating. The boating industry is a great example of mixing machinery with oh, rum. Alcohol. Just, keeps a lot of people get alive. A lot of people get into it. Look at Lake Erie. It's every most yeah, of the on Lake Erie are intoxicated. It's a it's a good time out on out on the high seas. <laughs> um, all right, we will wrap this up. We're right at an hour, basically. Um, we are in all of the directories now. I think even iHeartRadio accepted us recently. So yay to us! It took longer than I thought. Uh, Apple Podcasts app. If you're in there, five star and a comment would be greatly appreciated. We are trying to boost the numbers in that. Um, Email is the best way to get a hold of us. Uh, my email is F-A-R-A-I-M at robertberger.com. B-E-R G-E-R. The German way, not the sandwich way. Uh, Lee, your email. Uh, F-A-R-A-I-M at uh, LeeGriffing.com. And Mr. Boris. F-A-R-A-I-M at scottboris.com. And any show notes? Don't know how much show notes will be in this one. It's kind of not show note relevant, but that will be robertberger.com backslash F-A-R-A-I-M-008. And uh, we will see you in the next one. Next week, uh, 009 is Class Bravo Airspace, which will be interesting. <laughs>